0: The following message was recorded Wednesday, October 25th, 2023. Pastor Ritt continues our study of the book of Ezekiel. Tonight he covers chapter 30 through chapter 32 and the remaining oracles against the nation of Egypt. And now, here's Pastor Ritt. We're looking at Ezekiel and we're looking at the history of Israel and the one thing we learned from history, we never learned anything from history, what does history do? repeats itself, repeats itself. So the first 24 chapters of Ezekiel was primarily Ezekiel describing the the punishment, not judgment, but the punishment that was coming upon Judah and Jerusalem. Why? Because it, why wasn't it judgment? Because it's his favorite name. What? Yeah, his favorite name. Yes, favorite name, because judgment is permanent. Punishment is temporary. Okay? Temporarily punishing his people, Jerusalem and Judah, but then there's going to be a judgment upon the Gentile nation surrounding him. So the first 24 chapters were this punishment of Israel. As we got into uh, the later chapters, after chapter 24, we see the judgment of the Gentile nations surrounding Israel, primarily for their attitude towards the Jews, right? And there's coming a judgment. We know that. The Bible indicates for us very clearly, both the Old Testament and New Testament, there's coming a judgment upon all the Gentile nations of the world for the treatment of the Jewish people. Why? We've scattered them to the wind, right? Mm dispersed them to the nations of the world, and we divided their land. Now, everybody's saying, everybody's demanding the only way to bring peace now and resolve this situation in the Middle East is for a two-state solution. Is that really what the Palestinians, is that what the uh, Hamas and Islamic Jihad and all of these Hezbollah, is that really what they want? They just want land? No. No, it's not about the land. It has nothing to do with the land. They want to commit a genocide. They don't want a Jew to exist, period. Now, where does this hatred come from? Well, it goes all the way back to the two sons of Abraham, right? Ishmael is still causing a problem for Isaac. (laughs) It's amazing. Esau and Jacob. I mean, this is so generational, but it's satanic, this hatred, isn't it? Hmm. Now we see that God is judging this final, this is going to be the final Gentile nation that is being judged, as we began chapter 29 last week, these oracles or these pronouncements of judgment that Ezekiel is making on behalf of God. How many oracles were there? Seven. 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 And we said that how many were dated? Six. Six. Six Six are dated, there's seven. These are oracles against Egypt. Now why, why, why is God so upset with Egypt? Yeah. They, weren't, they were not faithful allies. And secondly, he's upset with Israel for the fact that they relied upon Egypt. You see, now who who were they relying upon Egypt to come against? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. Now why were they so worried about Babylon? Well, Babylon had become a world power at that time. They defeated the one power that everybody was in fear of. That was Assyria. Because the Assyrians, they were... The Assyrians were like unto what the terrorists had done on the 7th in Israel. It was It's horrific if you read some of the accounts or the descriptions of the way in which they would torture their prisoners, the Assyrians. Unbelievable. Hmm. And so everybody was afraid of the Assyrians, the Assyrians. But then Babylon crushed them. And now there's a real concern about Babylon. If anybody comes against Babylon, now Babylon set up uh, Israel to be in submission to them. They established a a leader over the nation. All they had to do was submit. And that's what Jeremiah told them. Ezekiel told them the same thing. Just, Just submit and it'll be well with you, well with your house. But they wouldn't do it. So they're going to rebel. They don't want to pay tribute to Babylon or anybody else. They're stiff-necked, rebellious people. But they thought somehow they could get into this confederation with Egypt and that would preserve them from this threat, from the danger. Hmm. Who's Israel trusting in now? The United States of America. Do you think we're really going to come to their aid? No. Have we been faithful to anybody? No. Not even to ourselves. Look, look at the craziness that's going on in the Republican Party. Trying to n- nominate a speaker. What's the problem? Why? They're not all conservatives. They're not all Republicans, true Republicans, right? What do we call them, rhinos? What's a rhino? Yeah, Republican in name only. It's crazy. You know, I was excited when uh, Jim Jordan got the nomination. They were going to vote for Jim Jordan. He would have been an excellent choice, but surely the rhinos don't want him there. No. The establishment folk, you know, it's amazing. But that's like the church today. We have so many, they're not rhinos though. We, what do we call them? Shinos? <laughs> Christians in name only? A Shino? we got lots of Shinos. I'd say that the majority of Christendom is a Shino. What would, am I wrong? No, no. no. Two two percent, two percent. (laughs) And so I think, once again, what's going to happen as history repeats itself is that God has to judge Israel, uh, punish Israel for putting their trust in America and not in him. And Israel is a very secular society. The overwhelming majority of Jews in Israel, they're they're not religious, religious in any way. They're Jews ethnically. But they're not Jews by religious practice. And it's a small percentage that are Jews, Reformed, Orthodox, um, and a very small percentage that are Messianic, believing Jesus is the Messiah. So the worst is yet to come for Israel. We'll talk about that more on Sunday. But don't, don't be surprised, because all the nations of the earth will turn against Jerusalem. They will demand that. The nation be divided. Why is God judging them? Because they've divided my land. They haven't done it yet. But God is judging them because that's exactly what's going to take place. And when that happens, then God is going to intervene because it's not their land. It's not up to the United States or Europe or anybody else to divide the land. It's not up to Israel to divide the land. Who owns the land? God. God. It's God's land. God's choice. Hmm. And so they're coming against God. But here, God is going to judge Egypt. He's judging Egypt because they were not faithful, even when his people were trying to rely upon them. And he's going to judge Israel for lying upon and trusting in these false gods and in their alliance with Egypt, as we do today, unfortunately. Sad. So last week we were in chapter 29, and we looked at chapter 29. He talked about the destruction that was coming, and he's, the first oracle began in chapter 29, verse 1, and we know when would that happen, Deborah? January 5th, 587 B.C. Yep, January 5th, 587 B.C. That's the first marker that we have, first date marked. But then the second oracle began in verse 16, and when was that? April 26, 571. April 26, 571. Wait a minute. That's way out of chronological order, remember? Because we said the six oracles that are dated are all in chronological order. But the second oracle is not. And why was it not in chronological order? Because God was simply wanting Ezekiel to explain this judgment that's coming upon Egypt is going to come through which instrument of God's? Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. So that's what he's saying. Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon would be his rod of judgment against the nation of Egypt. So now we come to this uh, third oracle. And we're chapter 30. Egypt and her allies will fall. That's the heading on my Bible. Do you have a heading? I can't hear you. Lament for, Egypt. Lament for Egypt. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Babylonia. Will plumber, plumber Egypt. Babylonia. Okay. So the word, verse 30, or chapter 30, excuse me, verse 1, everybody there? Okay. See how far we can get. I'd like to get the verse, i like to finish chapter 32 if we could tonight. So I'm going to read along pretty quickly without too much commentary, Lord willing. The word of the Lord, this third oracle, came to me again saying, Son of man, prophesy. And thus says the Lord God, wail woe to the day. For the day is near. Even the day of the Lord is near. And it will be a day of clouds, a time of Gentiles. The sword will come upon Egypt and great anguish shall be upon Ethiopia when the slain fall in Egypt. And they take away her wealth and her foundations are broken down. Ethiopia, Libya, Lydia. All the mingled people. Chub. We don't know what Chubb is. I tried to find what it is. Chub. You know, I'm a chub sometimes, but you know. And all the men of the lands who are allied shall fall with them by the sword. So this alliance that is gathered together with Egypt to come against Babylon, it won't succeed. It's going to fail. That's what he's declaring here. Those who uphold Egypt shall fall. The pride of her power shall come down from Migdal to Sain. Those with her shall fall by the sword, says the Lord God. So he's saying all the way from the north, all the way from the south, all these nations that are involved, they're all going to be overtaken by Babylon. They shall be desolate in the midst of the desolate countries, and all their cities shall be in the midst of the cities that are laid waste. And then what will happen? Then they will know that I am the Lord. So that God reveals himself in his grace, and how amazing his grace is, isn't it? Yeah, but he also reveals himself in his judgment. Yeah, there's coming a day when all the world will know that there's a God who watches over Israel, but it's as that God judges the nations of the world as he's doing here. Yes, then they will know that I am the Lord, verse 8, when I have set a fire in Egypt, and all of her helpers are destroyed. On that day, messengers shall go forth from me in ships and take the careless Ethiopians afraid, make the careless Ethiopians afraid, those who are dwelling in security, and great anguish shall come upon them as on the day of Egypt, for indeed the day is coming. Now you remember why he was so upset with Pharaoh, for Pharaoh declared that he was what? God. And that he was the creator of what? The river. river. Which river might that be? The Nile. The Nile. Nile. Now messengers are going to come from the white Nile, the blue Nile from up in the area of Africa. They're going to come down and they're going to declare all of this destruction that's happening as a result of Babylonians. It's going to put fear in all of these people as these messengers travel this river that the so-called Pharaoh, the god of Egypt, created. But not so. Nebuchadnezzar is going to Utterly destroy Egypt and the alliance. Thus says the Lord God. I will also make a multitude of Egypt to cease by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He and his people with him, the most terrible of the nations, shall be brought to destroy the land. They shall draw their swords against Egypt and fill the land with the slain. I will make the rivers dry and sell the land into the hand of the wicked. I will make the wasteland and all that is in it by the hand of the aliens. See, there are aliens. I, the Lord, have spoken. Somebody asked me the other day, what are those three verses of scripture that you mentioned that prove that there are no aliens? Does anybody remember me saying that? No? You don't remember me saying that? There are at least three scriptures that prove aliens don't exist? You didn't say what (laughs) they were You're absolutely correct. I didn't say. That's why somebody texted me and said, Can I have those scriptures? So I sent them out. You want them? I'll send them to Pastor Darren. I'll give them to you. But here we're talking about aliens, but they're not the aliens we talk about, are they? No, no, no. Those scriptures you'll find in in Genesis 1, in Colossians 1, uh, uh, 1 Peter 3. I mean, I'll send you the scriptures, but the scriptures that talk about the God of creation declaring what he's created. All the things he created. But he didn't talk about aliens. He didn't create aliens. He didn't create other civilizations in the universe. Had he done that, he would have told us, but it's absent. Hmm. Right, anyway. Aliens. Where were we? Aliens. What verse? Help me. 12. 12. Yeah, there we go. 12. I'll make the rivers dry and I'll sell the land to the hand of the wicked. I will make a wasteland and it shall be as in it the hand of the aliens. I, the Lord, have spoken. Thus says the Lord God. Verse 13. I will also destroy the idols and cause the images to cease from north. Where's north? north? North. North is ancient Memphis. Memphis, Egypt. Memphis was a principal city within Egypt. There shall no longer be princes from the land of Egypt, but I will put fear in the land of Egypt and I will make pathos desolate, set fire to Zorn. This was the royal residence of the Pharaoh. I will execute judgments on no, with no ancient thieves. Thieves. I will pour my fury on sin that's uh, Pelusim which was an ancient city within Egypt, and the strength of Egypt. I will cut off the multitude of the thieves, or no. I will set fire in Egypt to sin, that's uh, Peluthum, uh, shall have great pain. No, shall be split open, and north, that's Memphis again, shall be in distress daily. The young men of Avin, this is Halabosus, whatever it is. <laughs> and Pi Besheth shall fall by the sword. And these cities shall go into captivity. These are all cities within Egypt that Nebuchadnezzar is going to gain control over. Uh, it was prophesied in Jeremiah, the same thing, you remember. Remember when Jeremiah was prophesying and he told the, the those who Nebuchadnezzar, ne, Nebuchadnezzar Adon, who was that? Hmm? Nebuchadnezzar. Adon. Yes, yes, captain of the guard. He was a general under Nebuchadnezzar's army, and he was told to let the poor of the land and the, the feeble, let them let them stay there, let them take the land, enjoy their fruits, plant, raise families, settle. Uh, well, what, what happened to that, that group that was leading them, who remained after that last siege of Babylon, when the ba- Babylonians went back? Jeremiah was prophesying that they should just settle. Those who were carried into captivity, just enjoy the captivity. It's going to be 70 years. Those who were remaining in the nation, just remain because Nebuchadnezzar is going to protect you. And what did they do? they went to Egypt. This is precisely what we're talking about. the same time period, you know, cuz Ezekiel and Jeremiah were contemporaries, remember? So they they decided the leaders and they gathered together at that time and the governor said let's let's escape to Egypt. We'll be safe there. We'll be provided for there. And Jeremiah said, "Don't do that. Don't do that. Nebuchadnezzar is going to come down, and he's going to establish his royal pavilion right there. I forgot what city within uh, Egypt he was talking about. Uh, Taphnese. Taphnese. And then he said he's going to establish his royal pavilion there, and from there he's going to judge Pharaoh and everybody else. And you all die by the sword, by pestilence, and by the famine. But they, but in, instead, they still escaped to Egypt, and that's exactly what happened to them. They were all destroyed. And what happened to Jeremiah?" They killed him. They killed him there. They killed him there in Egypt. But nonetheless, at verse 18, at Tef, Tehaphanis, verse 18. Yeah, pronounce that Tehaphanis. The day shall be darkened. Then I will break the yokes of Egypt there, and her arrogant strength shall cease in her. As for her, a cloud shall cover her and her daughters. They shall go into captivity. Thus I will execute judgments on Egypt. They shall know what? I am the Lord. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's so many worldwide who deny God and his existence. Completely irrelevant in their thinking. God has no relevance in their thinking or in their life whatsoever. Boy, is that going to change? Yeah. Now we have this fourth oracle. And it's dated, it came to pass in the 11th year, on the first month, on the seventh day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me saying, now when was this? April 29th. April 29th, same year as the previous, uh, uh, dated 587 B.C. April 29th, 587 B.C., verse 21, the son of man I have broken, the arm of... Pharaoh king of Egypt and see it has been bandaged for healing nor a splint it has not been bandaged for healing nor a splint be put on it to bind it, to make it strong enough to hold the sword. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, surely I am against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and I will break his arms, both the strong one and the one that was broken, and I will make the sword fall out of his hand. God's going to render them completely helpless and defenseless. They're not going to be able to defend themselves. What he's saying, he's taking away the power of the nation, the power of their army. They'll not be able to stand against Nebuchadnezzar at all. Therefore, verse 22, thus says the Lord God, surely I am against Pharaoh. Yeah, I said that. Okay. Uh, Verse 23, I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon and put my sword in his hand. I will break Pharaoh's arms and he will groan before him with the groanings of a mortally wounded man. Thus I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon, but the arms of Pharaoh shall fall down. Then They shall know that I am the Lord. When I put my sword into the hand of the king of Babylon and he stretches out against the land of Egypt, I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. What? Then they shall know that I am the Lord. You think he's trying to make a point? Hmm? And that point is going to be made very soon as we see what's going to be transpiring at the end of the age. When God reveals himself, the whole world will be without excuse. Then they shall know that he is the Lord. But are they going to submit to him? No. No. They're going to rebel against him, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, chapter 31. This is the fifth oracle against Egypt. He's going to liken Egypt to a great tree. But he, he uses another nation as an example of this great tree. Which nation is he going to use? Yes, Assyria. He's going to use the nation of Assyria, which was known for their tremendous cedar trees. You know, the, these marvelous giant cedars. Uh, so they're going to. Li- he's going to liken the nation of Assyria to this giant cedar. And everybody thought cedar that that uh, Assyria was an invincible nation, army, force. But God uses Babylon to crush them. Well, God is going to use Babylon to crush. Egypt. If he could so easily overcome Assyria, it's not going to be any problem whatsoever for him to overcome Egypt, who has lifted themselves, exalted themselves, this pride, pride of Egypt. And it came to pass in the eleventh year, in the third month, in the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude, Whom are you like in your greatness? Indeed, Assyria was a cedar in Lebanon. So he's going to liken Egypt to Assyria. Now, it was in 533 that uh, Egypt was invaded by Assyria. And when it was invaded by Assyria, they destroyed the capital city, which are thieves in Egypt. So Egypt really considered Assyria as quite a powerful nation. It would have been quite a threat to them but God is going to liken them to Assyria and liken the fact that as easily as Nebuchadnezzar could destroy Assyria, is going to destroy them. We, we would say that sort of thing about the United States right now. Who's likening them to the United States? Do you, do you recognize how weak our military is right now? It's never been as weak as it is. And the real problem is what we've done to the... Uh, Res- the emergency reserve petroleum supply in the nation. I'm sorry, it's empty. It's empty, it's empty. And, and you know what it would take for us to resupply that in an emergency situation if we weren't dependent upon Middle East oil or Iranian oil or Venezuelan oil, or Russian oil. We, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have the time to properly recover. You, you don't understand the peril and the danger. We're. In, but we're so arrogant. We so esti- overestimate our ability and who we are. But we so estimate, underestimate God and his ability. Now, I, I don't take any pleasure in saying, I'm sure Jeremiah took no pleasure in declaring that the nation was going to be destroyed. We called Jeremiah what kind of a prophet? Weeping. Weeping prophet. I take no pleasure in saying that. I believe with all my heart God is going to judge America and it's going to be severe overestimating who we are, underestimating our enemies, and and surely playing no regard to the God who gave us all these blessings. What a shock it's going to be. Now, it's probably rare that any congregation is hearing the things that I share with you on a regular basis. So it will come as a complete shock to their System that'll cause such mental distress, emotional breakdown, when all this begins to happen. If suicide is at an epidemic proportion now, what's it going to be like then? You know. But as I've shared with you before, we, we can be secure in a relationship with the Lord. That's where security is found, right? It's it's not in my health. I seem to be weaker and weaker as each week goes by. I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm trying to fight against this, but it's just, I mean, it's a losing battle, I'll tell you that, you know? Our finances, oh, boy, we're a deck of cards. We're a house of cards ready to fall apart, aren't we? Financially, I mean, it'll take a wheelbarrow of money to buy a loaf of bread, What can we put our trust in? The government? Because they're looking out for our interests? So concerned about our well-being? The only place we can put our trust and find our security is in our relationship to him. And if you have a strong relationship with him, you won't be in fear. They'll not give you a spirit of fear. Love, power, and a sound mind. And you'll be able to look at these things in a very uh, practical way and say, oh, the Lord, my Father told me about all of this. This is what's going to happen. But all of this is temporary, as Paul would say, this momentary light affliction. Nothing nothing compared to what lies ahead, right? We talked about that hmm? briefly on Sunday when when Israel awakens to the fact that who Jesus really is is if one came back from the dead. Remember we talked about that? Wow, what a day that's going to be. But in the meantime, you need to strengthen yourself here. In your understanding, you, strength, you, don't not, you can't be led by your emotion. Your emotion will take you where you don't need to go. But you need to be—you need your emotions to be led by what you know the truth is. Hmm? And it's very distressing to see what's happening. It's very distressing as being such a pro-Israel Christian, a Zionist Christian, that I am. You know, um, I know that the worst is yet to come for God's people—the worst and we see it beginning to form now because very quickly the nations of the world are going to turn against Israel force them into political suicide dividing them by people who, who are sworn to their destruction Yes, to whom shall I liken your greatness? Indeed, Assyria was a cedar in Lebanon, fine branches that shaded the forest of high stature, and its top was among the thick boughs, and the waters made made it grow. Underground water gave it its height. This is the Tigris River he's talking about, with the rivers running around the palace where it was planted and sent out rivlets and all of the trees of the field. Therefore its height was exalted above all the trees of the field. Its boughs were multiplied and its branches became long because of the abundance of the water as it sent them out. All of the birds of the heavens made their nests in the boughs under the branches. All the beasts of the field brought forth their young and in its shadow all great nations made their home. Wow! It was a protection and a provision for Everyone in the whole world, Assyria. Wow. who was like in that? You think of anybody else? Who? Well, of the United States. Yeah, certainly. Why? Yeah. But remember when Daniel was talking about Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar? He was that great tree, which everyone. But he, he was cut to the ground, wasn't he? He was made insane for how long? Seven, Seven years. Seven years insane but the United States in similar way. Yeah. Thus its beauty, let's see, verse 7, right? Thus it was beautiful in greatness and in the length of its branches because its roots reached in the abundant waters the cedars of the garden God could not hide. The fir trees were not like its boughs. The chestnut trees were not like its branches. No tree in the garden of God was like it in beauty. I made it beautiful with a multitude of branches so that all of the trees of Eden envied it that were in the garden of God. Wow. Who is like great Assyria? Who is like America? But God judged Assyria with Babylon. I would not be surprised if God's not going to judge us with the Russia-China alliance. No, not for a moment. Would I be surprised by that? Would you? I hope not. Gonna have your eyes open. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, verse 10, because you have increased the height and set its top among the thick boughs, and its heart was lifted up in its height, arrogance, proud. Therefore, I will deliver it into the hand of the mighty one of the nations and shall surely deal with it. I have driven it out of its wickedness. I will drive I have driven it out for its wickedness. Cut down to the ground by Babylon, this tree. You read about that, that tree in England that those two uh, young fellas cut down. Mm-hmm. Remember that? What, what was significant about the tree? Uh, help me. Refresh my memory. Anybody remember? Was the tree I'm sorry? Tree of Robinhood. Right. It was called the Tree of Robin Hood. It was an ancient tree. And these hooligans, hooligans yeah, went out one night and just cut it to the ground. Can you imagine? I was, I was witnessing to uh, this, this gal the other day talking about the fact that, uh, you know, I, uh, my, my dog, he's 14, he's kind of failing, he's doing... And I said, you know, it's just a shame that uh, we outlive our dogs. But you ever consider how much longer trees live than we do? <laughs> yeah. That I had to think about long and hard in the fall, in the autumn, excuse me, the fall, autumn of 2006, when my Roberta died. Because it was in the fall of the year, and I'd sit by her bedside in our windows in our bedroom face to the yard, and there was all these trees, and there was a stream in the back, and just watch the leaves fall, and consider how long some of these white oaks live, and why do trees live longer than we do? And I was kind of in a depressed state thinking about that. Think, How could that be? Trees live longer than people. And then God said, no, they don't. No, they don't. No. Trees are very temporary. People are forever. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Verse 12. Oh, here we go again. And aliens! The <laughs> See, the Bible does talk about aliens. The most terrible of the nations have cut it down and left it. Its branches have fallen on the mountains, on the valleys. Its boughs lie down, broken all by the rivers. This is uh, Babylon again. Of the land, all of the people of the earth have gone from under its shadow and left it. On its ruin will remain all the birds of the heavens and all the beasts of the field will come to its branches so that no tree by the waters may ever again exalt themselves for their height nor send their tops among the thick boughs that no tree which drinks water may ever be high enough to reach up to them. For they have all been delivered to death to the depths of the earth among the children of men who go down to the pit. So where is Assyria? Where are all those Assyrians, the proud Assyrians who governed the world at that time? Sheol. Sheol. They're in Sheol, right? Yeah. They'll, they'll be in Hades. Uh, well, well, excuse me. Hades and Sheol are the same place. Right? Sheol is in the Hebrew. Hades in the, in the Greek text. But where they end up ultimately is Gahana, right? Which is uh, the place of eternal torment. That's the difference there, right? We know that Sheol, mankind's common grave, or Hades in the New Testament, uh, was where the everyone who died would end up. You'd either end up in the place of torment, or you'd end up in the place of what we call paradise or Abraham's bosom, right? But since Jesus died, was buried, resurrected, and ascended, well, that place of paradise or Abraham's bosom, that's empty now. Now we know that to be absent from this body is right. present with the Lord. Yeah, yeah. So how is this not the abyss I call it the pit. Well, it it, not yeah, the there's, it's, not, it's not the bottomless pit of the abyss. Now, who's reserved for that right now? Uh, yeah, yeah. The demonic horde. But they're going to be let loose from there for a season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll be put back there. Satan will be stuffed down there, and they're going to put a cork on it, right? But that cork is only going to last a thousand, a thousand years. And then the cork pops, right? And then out he comes again, leads a rebellion for a short season, and then finally, finally we'll see the death of death, the death of all rebellion and all evil forever. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh, glorious, glorious, glorious. Yeah. Uh, where were we? Now let's see. They went down to the pit, didn't they? 15. Thus says the Lord God, in that day when it went down to hell, I caused mourning. I covered the deep because of it. I restrained its rivers. The great waters were held back. I caused Lebanon to mourn for it. All the trees of the field wilted because of it. I made the nation shake at the sound of its fall, and I cast it down to hell again together with those who descended into the pit. And all the trees of Eden, the choice and the best of Lebanon, all that drank water were comforted in the depths of the earth. Oh, they went down to where everyone else who went down. Now, that, that place is really getting full, isn't it? Sheol, Hades, with all the unrighteous dead since the beginning of time until right now. Oh, boy. And every time somebody else goes down, it seems that they welcome them. Right? What does that mean? They welcome them. They're comforted that somebody else is sharing in their torment. Hmm? Misery loves company, yeah. <laughs> well, now you got your due too. I got mine, and you get yours, right? Well, that's not. Listen, that's not permanent. The permanent judgment of God is yet to come on all of them. Hmm? And so they went down to hell with it, and those who were slain by the sword, and those who were strong armed dwelt in the shadows of it among the nations. Verse 17, verse 18. To which of the trees of Eden will you be likened in glory and greatness? Yet you shall be brought down with the trees of Eden to the depths of the earth. You shall lie in the midst of the uncircumcised with those slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh, and all of his multitude, says the Lord God, one hundred out of a hundred. A thousand out of a thousand. And where do most go? The pit. Sheol. Hades. Until the final judgment. Until that great white throne judgment. And they're judged. Hey, we're going to do it. Chapter 32. Huh? Lamentation for Pharaoh in Egypt. This is the sixth oracle. And again, it is dated and it come to pass in the twelfth year, in the twelfth month, in the first day of the month. When was that? It's March 3rd, 585. March 3rd, 585. Son of man, take up a lamentation for the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and say to him, you are like a young lion among the nations, and you are like a monster in the seas, bursting forth in your rivers, troubling the waters with your feet, fouling their rivers. Thus says the Lord God, I will therefore spread my net over you with a company of many people, and they will draw you up in my net, and then I will leave you on the land. I will cast you out in the open field, and cause to settle on you all the birds of the heavens and with you i will fill the beasts of the whole earth i will lay your flesh on the mountains and fill the valleys with your carcass he's going to drag him out of the now remember pharaoh thought he was king over the river right he created the river nile and he was the one that that reigned in the river and he's likened himself unto this great beast, right? Well, God doesn't see him as a great beast. He sees him as a monstrosity. And God's going to drag him out of the river, and he's going to leave him on the shore to be devoured by the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, and all who join him. He goes on to say, uh, let's see, verse 6, I will also water the land with the flow of your blood, even to the mountains, and the riverbeds will be full of you. I will put you, put out your light. I will cover the heavens and make its stars dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud. The moon shall not give its light and the bright lights of the heavens will make dark over you. I will bring darkness upon your land. Thus says the Lord, verse nine, I will also trouble the hearts of many peoples when I bring your destruction among the nations into the countries which you have not known. Yes, I will make many peoples astonished at you and their kings shall be horribly afraid when you, when I banish my sword before them and they shall tremble every moment, every minute, for his own life in the day of your fall. Egypt, Egypt, Pharaoh, oh no. Now what's going to happen in the West when America falls? Oh my. The whole, the whole Western civilization, the whole Western world is dependent upon America. We won't know what to do. I'm sorry? The UN What a joke. What a joke. But just just as all the nations of the world that were dependent upon Egypt wailed and lamented. Now, we we know when Babylon, Babylon the Great, when she falls, which Babylon are we talking about here? In Revelation. Who is that Babylon? It's It's probably us, Ed. You're right. You're right. You're right. That Babylon described in Revelation is the United States. Without a doubt, I think it is. And when when that Babylon falls, we know that the Bible tells us in Revelation all the nations of the world, all the free nations of the world, they lament. Why? So many nations dependent upon us. This is precisely what happens here, but this is precisely what's going to happen in the very near future. Who will be the guardian against evil? It's just different degrees of evil, isn't it? Isn't it? As I pointed out on Sunday, I made a mistake. I I assumed, I just assumed, and you know what assuming does, right? Mm. Yeah, you and me, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I assumed that those kids were out there under the stars celebrating the God of Israel who delivered them out of the 40 years of, of... 400 years of bondage and 40 years of wilderness wandering, providing for them. And boy, was I wrong. Now in God's eyes, now I know that in our standard it's different, but in God's eyes, was their evil any different than the evil of the terrorists? It wasn't, was it? Not in God's eyes, from God's perspective, you see. You didn't understand that. Are we any better, we, than the Chinese? Are we in it better as a society, as a culture than the Russians, than the Venezuelans, than the Palestinians? No, no. We've all turned from God. Where did I leave off? Verse 9. I will also trouble the hearts of many peoples when I bring your destruction among the nations into the countries which you have not known. Yes, I will make many peoples astonished at you, and their kings shall be horribly afraid of you when I banish my sword before them. And they shall tremble every moment, every man for his own life in the day of your fall. For thus says the Lord God, the sword of the king of Babylon shall come upon you. By the swords of the mighty warriors, all of them, the most terrible of the nations, I will cause your multitude to fall. They shall plunder the pomp of Egypt, and all of its multitude shall be destroyed. Also, I will destroy all of its animals from beside the great waters. The foot of every man shall muddy them no more, nor shall the hooves of animals muddy them. Then I will make their waters clear, I will make their rivers run like oil, says the Lord God. When I make the land of Egypt desolate, and the country is destitute of all that was once, once filled it, then when I strike all who dwell in it, then they shall know, what? I am, I am the Lord. Man or beast will be gone. Hmm. it's going to be a cleansing, isn't there? The majority of the world's population will be gone, and God is going to establish his millennial reign, and the earth is going to be renewed. Remediation. It's hard to clean up a toxic waste dump. Isn't it, David? You're in that business, right? And this is a toxic waste dump, right? But he's going to remediate it. It's going to be wonderful when he does Talk about being an agricultural society. It's going to be wonderful. You know, they, they say that the ground in Ukraine is so fertile, you know, wild, Bill, you could plant your boots in Ukraine, come back six months later and be bearing fruit. <laughs> they said the ground there, that's why they call it the breadbasket of Europe, but it's, it's some of the most fertile ground in the entire world. Did you know that? Ukraine? Yeah. But Oh, can you imagine what it's going to be like when God remediates the whole place? Cleanses it and then reestablishes it. And who predominantly is repopulating it? Jews. 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 Yeah. It's gonna be amazing. And we get to see it all. Yeah. That's even more amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 16. This is a lamentation with which they shall lament her. The daughters of the nation shall lament her. They shall lament for her, for Egypt, and for all her multitude, says the Lord God, talking about wailing. I told Gail if I die before you, you do, I want you to hire professional wailers. I don't know who's going to wail for me, but somebody better wail and take some of my money and hire some people to wail for me. <laughs> She, laughed. she laughs. Get what I want, yeah, but but I want somebody to wail, you know. <laughs> I think I think he's going to go before me. That's for sure. Yeah, sad, huh? You whale, okay. We're so glad he's gone. <laughs> we don't have to listen to him anymore. This is the seventh oracle. And the last of the seven, it came to pass in the twelfth year on the 15th day of the month that the word of the Lord came to me. When was that? Yeah, March 17th, 585. March 17th, 585. (laughs) Son of man wail over the multitude of egypt and cast them down to the depths of the earth her and her daughters and the of the famous nations with those who go down to the pit down to Sheol, whom you you do you surpass in beauty go down be placed with the uncircumcised the gentile nations They shall fall in the midst of those who slain by the sword. She is delivered to the sword, drawing her and her multitudes. The strong among the mighty shall speak to him out of the midst of hell with those who help him. They have gone down. They lie with the uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Assyria is there and all of her company with their graves all around her, all of them slain, fallen by the sword. Her graves are set in the recesses of the pit and her company is all around her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword who caused terror in the land of the living. There is Elam and all of her multitude all around the grave, and of them slain, fallen by the sword, who have gone down, uncircumcised to the lower parts of the earth, who caused their terror in the land of the living. Now they bear their shame with those who go down to the pit. Aren't you glad every devil gets their due? Yes. Boy, I am, I'll tell you, because there's such injustice today. It's amazing. The injustice that exists within our own country. Truth, justice, the American way is dead. It's dead. Oh, but aren't we glad one day, one day every devil gets their due, their just due. And every saint, their reward. Praise God. That's what he's thanking God for here. Yes. Verse 25. They have set their bed in the midst of the slain with all of her multitude, with her graves all around it, all of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword, though their terror was caused in the land of the living. Yet they bear their shame with those who go down to the pit. It was put in the midst of the slain. There is Meshach and Tubal and all their multitudes with all of their graves around it. All of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword, though they cause their terror in the land of the living. They do not lie with the mighty who are fallen of the uncircumcised, who have gone down to hell with all of their weapons. They have laid their swords under their heads, but their iniquities will be on their bones because of the terror of the mighty in the land of the living. Yes, you shall be broken in the midst of the uncircumcised and lie with those slain by the sword. Those who live by the sword die, die by the sword, right? Oh, doesn't matter whether it was the, that wretched, wicked, poor, or the mighty Herod, or anybody else, and all in between. You know, the wicked get their due, and they all end up in the same place, don't they? Yeah. But the righteous all get an equal reward as well, don't we? Hey, hey, even, though, even, though, even those who come in at the 11th hour doesn't matter. You could labor for 99 years, but now suddenly, suddenly, somebody suddenly comes into the kingdom and surrenders to Jesus. The reward is the same. Isn't that wonderful? Do you think that's wonderful? I think it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. But the punishment is the same too. No degree, no different. Hmm. Where am I, verse 29? Yes, there is Edom. Her kings and all of her princes, who despite their might, are laid beside those slain by the sword. They lie with the uncircumcised, and with those who go down to the pit. There are the princes of the north, all of them, and all the Sidonians, all who have gone down with the slain in shame and terror at which they cause their might. They lie... They lie uncircumcised with those slain by the sword. They bear their shame with those who go down to the pit. Pharaoh will see them and be comforted over all of his multitude. Pharaoh and all of his army slain by the sword. Thus says the Lord, for I have caused my terror in the land of the living, and he shall be placed in the midst of the uncircumcised with those slain by the sword. Pharaoh and all of his multitude, says the Lord. God, that's over. Huh. It's coming. Judgment. The full judgment. I, I already believe we're, we're experiencing God's chastisement in this nation. But his full judgment is coming upon the nations of the world. And the real test of where someone is today in the relationship with the Lord, I believe, just my opinion, I believe it's in their attitude towards Israel and the Jewish people. Yeah. Maybe we anybody ever go down to the synagogue here, the Reformed Synagogue in Greenville? Maybe we should start building a bridge and a relationship with them? At least let them know that we care and we're praying for them. Mm-hmm. I've yeah, I've been to Adonalam. Ad- Ad- yeah, but those are Gentiles, wannabes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the majority of people that attend Adonalam are Gentile wannabes. So My ready? friend Rabbi Anderson, R- Rabbi uh yeah, Andy Anderson. Andy, yeah, Andy, Andy Myerson is his name. Rabbi Andy Myerson leads three uh, congregations, Messianic congregation. But the, the truth is, with the Messianic congregations in the United States, predominantly are uh, Gentiles. Yeah. They're not Jews. They're he. He says they're wannabes. He said they think they're more Jewish than I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah. The commodore of our last year. His last name is Rubenstein. Rubenstein. Off of uh, Hayward Road? Yeah, he was, I think so. Yeah. Pray about it. Pray, pray about us making an inroad and trying to uh, just help the Jewish community here in, in our community. At least let them know that we care. We're praying for them and, and uh, because it's going to get nasty for them. Yeah. One of the survivors from the... That horrible attack came here, and now she's afraid to be here because of the the threats and threats of violence and persecution she suffered. Slander. It's terrible, terrible. Questions, comments? Anybody? We've got a few more minutes. (laughs) Do you think of the calling that said that they breathed in there, in hell, is that the demons that you serve? This day, thy son, they require. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could be right. John's referring to a yeah. John's referring to a uh, historical account or event that Jesus rehearsed in Luke, where there was a beggar named Lazarus. In, in parables, he doesn't give names, proper names. So this is an actual historical account, and Jesus was well aware of this beggar named Lazarus, who sat before this rich man's gate every day, begging the crumbs that would fall from his table, and. The rich man died and the beggar Lazarus died, but the rich man went to the place of torment where the beggar Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. I'm confusing the stories. Wait a minute. Wrong story. Wrong story. Back up. A rich man had so much wealth. You know, what's his name? <laughs> Warren Buffett. Uh, Jeff Bezos. Jeff uh, you know, whatever, you know, think of, think of these, these fabulously wealthy people, right? And they said to themselves, I'll build bigger barns. You know, Bill Gates buying one of these estates that he had, see these multiple estates that he used to buy. Now, him buying one of those estates is the equivalent of you or I spending a quarter That's how much of his wealth, a quarter, to buy one of these lavish, multi-million dollar mansions and all of the property, right? Richmond, I'll build bigger barns, is what he said, right? And uh, Jesus said of this man, oh, you fool, this night they require your soul. That's what it says in an interlinear. That's an exact translation. You fool, this night they require your soul. And the they are the demons. When when every person dies and they come before the throne of God, either Jesus lays claim to them or Satan does. You understand that? And it's going to be a horrifying day for those people who Satan lays claim on. You know they're mine. And I'm going to take possession of that which is mine. It's pretty frightening, isn't it? And that's what Jesus was saying. This night, they, they, the demons, they that you worship, the lust of your flesh, they demand your soul. Ooh. John's dad had a heart attack I don't know how many years ago. He literally dropped dead in the kitchen. They did finally resuscitate him and he had a five bypass. The only thing he remembers about that entire event was how dark it was. Mm. He said he could hear what was going on around him but he was, it was completely dark. He physically shakes Talks about it. Yeah. With him and you, you can read and, or you can hear testimony YouTube mm-hmm. testimonies of people who were not in Jesus and died. There's a horrific difference between those who have died in faith believing in Jesus and those who died without him and have come back. I'm so thankful for all of those uh, life after death experiences where we, we don't lose consciousness. We don't. This body may fail but our spirit lives forever, and you don't lose consciousness. Mm. That's how they have the ability to share what they experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, yeah, I, and I know personally some people who've been through that. It changed their life. You would think it'd be enough to You would think so. I, I know one person. It scared the hell right out of them. They out of them. <laughs> Literally. Of that, so. Yeah. Anybody else? I hope, I hope you're all living in security and in peace, peace of heart, peace of mind. That's what Jesus has afforded us. It's it's a joy that's inexplicable, inex, inexplicable, right? It can be experienced, can't be explained or anybody, or understood really. And, and so even in a my, minute, my, my, uh, somebody asked me today, how can you watch all this stuff and, and not have it disturb you and bother you? Because I know the truth. Because I interpret it all based upon what I know here. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so I, I want to be a man of strong faith, faith in God's word. Not in my feelings, not in what the world has experienced. I want to be faithful in what I know to be true from the word of God. And that's what keeps the peace in my heart. The prince. Do you think to called back home are Do you do you think they're gonna be called back home here? That's what or called back home there. Oh, to bring them back home? That might be so. Well, God's been calling them back home ever since 1948. Now, amazingly, right after this attack, over 200,000 Jews made Aliyah. The the number of reservists that came home for duty were over 450,000. Amazing, more more than ever before, more than the Yam Kippur War, you know. So, no, I think the spirit of God is gathering His people now. <clears throat> not not gathering in the Lord, though, are they? No, gathering to protect the, the homeland, but, well, well, we'll look again on Sunday and we'll see that. Uh, how many Jews are there in the world? 15 million. How many? 15 million. In, 19, in uh, 2021, there was 15.2. We don't know what it is today, probably a little more than that, but you're right. 15.2 million Jews in the world, worldwide. That's all. That's not many, is it? No. 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 But do you realize that ten million of them are going to be killed? Yes. And why why do I know that? Because the Bible says it. If the Bible says it is true, it's going to happen. You know, they are going to divide the land. It's going to look like it's a suicide for Israel to do this. Ten million Jews are going to be killed. But then God will the be. You know. So we need to pray. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but listen, there'll be no peace in Jerusalem until Shashalom, the Prince of Peace, returns. He's going to establish peace. Well, we need to try to open up as many eyes as we can, you know. And and yes, Carolyn? Uh, we had, last night, we had a Gideon meeting, and one of the men at the Gideon meeting was talking about, he was praising his pastor, he said he teaches the earth, but he does not equate it with what's going on today. Boy, you ought to hear our master. And he said, you, I, we, I need to go to your church. So I'm going to tell him, give him uh, the video, I mean the website. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. Period. And he may have shown up here. Tell him, we know, we know a donkey in Simpsonville who's braying yeah. like crazy. Yeah, yeah, huh? yeah. yeah, yeah. I I just, uh, you know, like I told you on Sunday, I'll tell you again, I I share what I believe because I believe with all my heart and so I share it passionately because that's what I believe on those non-essential issues, you're free to believe anything you want but when I teach them, I teach what I believe, and don't hold that against me, you don't have to believe what I believe, you can be wrong yeah, Yeah. Yeah, God will straighten us all out you know but just draw close to the Lord, closer than you've ever been before. And it's not about what you do; it's about who you are before Him. You know, opening up your heart and your life. Just let Him use us. On Sunday, what did I? You know, it was interesting. You know, you uh, Frankie, you gave out those little devotionals for the couples to read. And the devotional, I guess, on you it was either Saturday or Sunday. I don't know. My wife showed me on Monday. Was all, talking all about What's your purpose? Did anybody read that? Any of you couples? No? Yes? No? You didn't read the devotional? You're not reading it. Okay. You, you did read it? Okay. Well, the, my wife pointed it out to me on Monday. She said, look at this. You know, this is exactly what the devotional was on Sunday when you were talking to everybody about what's your purpose. You're living for pleasure or purpose? What do you live for? If you're living for pleasure, it's vanity. And, and, and the result, your destiny, it's not good. Right? But if you're living for purpose, his purpose is... It's wonderful, mm-hmm. and there's such security, such strength, such assurance it gives us, right, when we're living for His purposes. It makes all the difference in the world. Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen. Pastor David, you got a closing song. Shall we stand? Thank you for listening to this message from Community Chapel of Greenville. For more information and to find more messages like this, please visit to www.ccgreenville.org. It is our desire to see our Lord high and lifted up, and to see His people grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.